0: Okay, we're um John nineteen and what I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read the remainder of the uh chapter here, from verse thirty one to the end of the chapter. And uh and then we'll just go back and have some discussion here if you got any uh comments on what I talked about this morning or maybe questions regarding that or, or something up to this point in the book of John, that's fine too. Fine too. Um and we'll, we'll do that. So let me pick up again verse 31. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, also who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Okay. Um, The day of. Uh, let me just mention this. Um, sometimes when you're, you know, like when you're reading through the the gospel, ac- ac- the different accounts and all, and it's hard to, it's difficult to piece all this together. A lot of times, exactly how it played out. But um, the day of preparation here w- would have been, um, again, assuming this is is what we call Friday. Friday, um, the Sabbath would have been starting at sundown um so it's the, the i think the high day that they're talking about here is because it's a sabbath um of the passover during the passover um because the passover week sometimes when the scripture says passover it, it can be referring to the, the meal <laughs> you know which which has already of course taken place here or sometimes um it's it's referring to the um the whole thing, and we do, we do that like words like Christmas. I mean, you can say Christmas. You might be talking about Christmas Day. You might be talking about the Christmas season. Uh, so it's it's that kind of thing. There's there's like a, there's a week long um, commemoration going on here around Passover. So the Jews, and of course, John's point in bringing this up is that the Jews wanted the body um, removed from the cross. And that's why in verse uh, 32, verse 31, rather, it says the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And I mentioned that this morning. That's because um, they, they would push up with their legs so that they could breathe. And so once they come and break their legs, they, they can't do that anymore and they, they die of asphyxiation. So, so it's just a way to get them to die quickly so that they can remove them from the cross. And, and I mentioned this morning that it wasn't unusual for them to linger there for days on the cross. Um, but in this case, with the holy, holy week and the holy day, uh, the Jews wanted them down um, because of that. So that's the reason the soldiers are breaking their legs. And then when they came to Jesus, and this, of course, is another reason all this is brought up um, significant, because again, like I say, they would linger sometimes for days, but they come to Jesus, and after a few hours, He has already died. What do you suppose? I mean, there's going to there's gonna be more than one thing, probably, but but what do you suppose the, the significance of, of that is? They find Jesus already dead. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. There's going to be another thing that John mentions here as well, but pardon? Yeah. Fulfilled the scripture, and that his legs weren't broken, which which wasn't uh, uh, allowed with the with the the Paschal lambs who who typified Christ, and uh, in fact, I think the reference there would be uh, there's a couple actually Psalm 34. Yeah, Psalm 34, verse 20 is, is probably a uh, a reference to Christ. He keeps all his bones, that is God. He's talking about God. Uh, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And then verse 20 says, He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. And then also, as I mentioned uh, in Exodus, in the um, in the instructions for preparing the... The the Passover lamb, uh, they weren't allowed to break their bones. Exodus twelve forty six, which again is just uh, typifying Christ. It shall be eaten the Passover lamb. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. That's Exodus twelve forty six. So I think that's what John is meaning when he says um, these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But again, if you, go, if you look back up at verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In other words, he died, and that's what Bob was talking about. He, he um, <laughs> just gave his life right there. Uh, and this has been a, a, a major theme, well, really all the way through the Gospel of John, But it's, it's, and I've been trying to point it out as we've gone through the, 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 uh, the suffering narrative. John is showing all the way through that God's will is being accomplished and Jesus, Jesus is in control of this situation. Nothing's happening you know, that's, that's out of control. So he dies when he, when he gives up his spirit. And that's what I think he's getting at back in uh, John 10, I believe it is, when he says, um, you know, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep and he says, um, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. and I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. So it was, it was uh, Jesus willingly dying. So they were, they would have been surprised when they came in that in that short amount of time to come and find him dead mm-hmm. right Sure, but it killed him. In other words, well, kind of one and one and the same, maybe. I mean, uh, all of that he was he was doing willingly, but um, it would certainly be enough to to uh, to end a physical life, wouldn't it? You know. Uh, yeah and, and he yes yeah, so I, I don't think there's really a difference you know because he's, he's yes but at the same time uh, he's doing the father's will so um, this is the, he's, he's accomplished it at this point I mean it's just time it's, it's, so he, he, gives up, he gives up his life gives up his spirit which is talking about his, his life the life in his body. So, I don't know, I hope that makes sense. But I had a jotted down, a, a. it's hard to get away from those words, you know, like jotted down, or, or sometimes when I'm emailing I say, you know, I, I, I wrote this to you for whatever, and I think, well, you know, I didn't actually write anything here, but <laughs> I didn't jot this down either. I copied and pasted, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, I mean, what do you say? Uh, um... And I'm not familiar with this with this poet. I I, I, you, most of the time, you know, I will Google these kinds of things. I didn't get around to Googling this guy. But uh, here's the little poem. It says a lot. He, of course, Jesus, He, hell, in hell laid low, made sin, He sinned or through, bowed to the grave, destroyed it so, and death by dying slew. So he hell in hell lay low. That is, he laid hell low. He destroyed it. Made sin, he sin or through. I quoted Second Corinthians five this morning, um, "He who knew no sin became sin, so made sin, he sin or through. Bowed to the grave, destroyed it so. So he, he's in one sense. Submitting to the grave, that he, he gave up his, his spirit. You know, he gave himself over to death. But in doing that, it's not like you would think, well, if I'm, if I'm with one, one army fighting another and we give ourselves over, then that's surrender and we've lost. But, but in giving himself over, he destroyed death. Victory in, in, in over death, through death. So bowed to the grave, destroyed it so, and death by dying... Slew that is he slew death by dying he hell and hell laid low made sin he sin or through bowed to the grave, destroyed it so, and death by dying slew good stuff okay um let's see. Also, John here mentions, uh, in verse 37, he mentions Zechariah 12. Um, they will look on him whom they have pierced. So he says in verse 36, these things took place that the Scripture might be... And by the way, that I, I made a list. Um, again, I jotted this list down this morning. <laughs> because I was just thinking about j- just in John alone, when, when he talks about... Of course, this is common in the other Gospels too. But but because we're dealing with John, I just was focused on that. But what what is John's emphasis on on fulfilling the Scripture? It's it's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. Let me give you let me give you some examples here, um, and that'll kind of go along here with with uh, verse thirty six. Uh, well, actually, verse twenty eight, verse thirty six, verse thirty seven, verse yeah. 28, 36, and 37, just in the text we're looking at here. I'm sorry, 24, 28, 36, and 37. But now here's some other examples from, from, the, from the book. John 2, 22. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the Scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So, um, in other words, they're reflecting back and understanding that Jesus is fulfilling Scripture. Um, then John thirteen eighteen. I speak not of you all, talking to his disciples, I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture might be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now he's probably referring there to Psalm 41, 9, uh, which says roughly that, that the one... With whom you break bread lifts up his heel against you, and then Psalm and I'm sorry, John seventeen twelve in his prayer, he says, "While I was with them in the world, again the disciples, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the Son of Perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled." And again, that's probably a reference also to Psalm forty one nine, uh, and maybe also. Um, Psalm 109 verse 8 which is actually quoted over in Acts chapter 1 referring to Judas and uh, referring to Judas being replaced Psalm 108 109 verse 8 rather May his days be few. May another take his office. Which is what happened. Another one took the office of Judas. And, you, and again, you might say, well, how do you know that has any reference to Judas? Because Luke says it does over in Acts 1. <laughs> uh, let's see. John twelve thirty-eight, <clears throat> That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report? or to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's a reference to Isaiah chapter six, when uh, Isaiah saw the the Lord high and lifted up. And then John, I mention that one. Let's see, John fifteen twenty five. But this cometh to pass that the world that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me. Without a cause. John eighteen nine, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of them, which thou of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. So there, interestingly, there, um, John eighteen nine, is a reference to previous words of Jesus, but John's treating them as scripture. he's been saying, you know, this happened so that the scripture be fulfilled. This happened so that the scripture be fulfilled looking back at the Old Testament. But in this case, John 18.30, in in John 18.9, he's referring back to some previous words of Jesus, saying this happened so that Jesus' words may be fulfilled. John 18.32, that the saying of Jesus, again, same thing, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. That's a reference to John 12.32. Um, So anyway, i just kind of show you that all the way through, John has been putting a a good amount of emphasis on that, that what is playing out is in fulfillment of the Scripture. Okay, Uh, interesting characters here, Joseph of Arimathea. I mean, we know very little about him, but but this is definitely a a, a great service that they're providing here. (coughs) And they stepped up and did it, but... uh, Apparently no other, isn't that, isn't that something, I mean, you think about the, where are the 11, right? The apostles. But here's Joseph of Arimathea who's been uh, secretly a disciple. And Nicodemus who, it's also implied, has been a, somewhat of a secret disciple of Jesus. And, and they come to take care of Jesus' body. And and uh, essentially what they're doing is embalming the body. And how he moved 75 pounds of, uh, you know, myrrh and aloe and all that stuff without a uh, four-wheeler, I don't know, but any know he idea? <laughs> Servants, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good donkey, something like that. But uh, Nicodemus, we've already seen in, in two occasions, right? And, and only in John, only in the Gospel of John. But first, he appears in, in the, the famous dialogue in, in, uh, in John chapter three. That it is to Nicodemus, you know, that Jesus is speaking there, and you know, of course, the probably the most famous passage there is from the Bible, John three sixteen. But all of that is is. Uh, you know, uh, a discourse between, or at least initiated by a discourse between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, says, Teacher, we know you're, you're sent from God. No, nobody can do the works that you do unless they're from God. And then Jesus says, uh, you know, you must be born again. <laughs> and, and begins to talk to Nicodemus about the new birth. And then later in a meeting, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, so later in a, in a meeting of, of uh, the council and the Pharisee, Nicodemus kind of halfway defends Jesus and just speaks up and says, you know, can we condemn a man without, without a fair trial, without having heard him? Um, but he's kind of shouted down there, and, and apparently he doesn't press it too much but uh but here, um, now he comes when the when the they come he comes with Joseph Arimathea and takes the body and uh, participates in the embalming okay any any other any comments or questions on any of that or, or anything I said this morning? Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Verse twenty-eight. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, "To fulfill the Scripture, I thirst." Um, we don't know for certain. Um, Psalm sixty-nine, twenty-one, probably, is what. Uh, Good question, by the way. Sometimes it's real obvious, you know, what they have in mind. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes they say, you know, oh, Isaiah said or something like that. But um, Psalm sixty-nine, twenty-one: They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine. And, and uh, you know, that that is a reference to them offering Jesus wine while he's hanging on the cross. And and so it says here in Psalm 69, they did that for his thirst. And so probably that's the scripture that's in mind there. And Jesus said, I thirst in order to fulfill the scripture. And incidentally, um, earlier on he was, uh, it's not recorded here in John, but In the Gospels, they record it um, before he's actually crucified. He's offered, uh, I think it's on the road when he's carrying the cross, he's offered a drink and he refuses it. Anybody know why that is? Because of what? Because of the bitterness? No. It's sort of like in these old westerns where you know, somebody takes a bullet, and they're gonna they're gonna yank the bullet out. What do they do? Give them a shot of whiskey. Yeah, and so they had a, a little mixture of wine and and um, sorry, I'm trying to remember what it was, gall or something like that. But that they mixed together for that purpose as a, as a sedative to ease the pain, and uh, that's what they were offering him. It was, um, that was a friendly gesture from somebody that that wanted to help. And Jesus refused it because he wasn't taking anything that would ease the pain. But it's not the same drink here, and it's not for the same purpose. (coughs) And the hyssop was what they would actually use to, uh, it was a plant thing. It's what they would use to sprinkle blood on the doorpost. So, So they would use it, you know, like dip it, in this case, dip it in the liquid and hand it up to him. And uh, from what I've read, uh, and, and this makes <coughs> sense too, by the way. But from what I've read, the, the cross probably wasn't very high. Um, a lot of times, you know, when people put them up, you know, to 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 commemorate this, you know, you, you, they're always big and sometimes 200 feet high. You know, like, like <laughs> 198. Well, that's <I> close. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it, you, you you may be talking about. Seven or eight feet eight feet or something like that. I was wondering if talking about, like, the place in that room right there and i we that Right, right. Yeah. Even the roadside crosses that you see that people put out and they're usually pretty tall. But no, it was it was probably wasn't anything like that. Enough to get him up off the ground. You Feet know. couldn't touch the ground. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Car- well, they carved them out of the rocks. You know, the the, the hillside or whatever was a, was rock, so they would carve out a, a like a cave, you know, type thing, and then and then roll a big stone in front of it. Mhm. Mhm. I'm sure they probably used natural ones too when they could, you know, when they were available. But, but yeah, yeah, they they carve them out. I've seen uh, pictures. Um, they they would do. There's one picture, and I can't remember what. Um, anyway, there's one picture I've seen where they did that, like with, with baptistries too. You see the very earliest <laughs> baptistries that we know about. You know, they carve them out of a almost like a bathtub. I mean, they just carve it out of rock. You know. Uh, I guess because the purpose being like in the catacombs or whatever, when they were having to do it in hiding, and all. So instead of instead of being able to go out and use a something like a, uh, the river or something like that, they would have to carve them out. Yeah, <laughs> and it was still available when he needed it, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you wouldn't think you could loan out a tomb, <laughs> but, you know, in this case, it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They found a uh, and 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 just a kind of a side note. They, we don't know for sure any of the locations of these things. Um, I mean, you'll see. In fact, if you if you were, I've never been over there, but if you were to go over there as a tourist, they'll tell you. You know, this happened here, this happened there. But we, it's not certain. Um, they, they they know likely sites. You know, it probably happened here, probably happened there, and so. Greek Orthodox, for example, and Roman Catholics, you know, they've built edifices on these sites, like you got the Church of the Sepulchre, where supposedly built on the site of this tomb, right? But, but uh, they don't they don't really know the exact spot. Um, but I was, what I was going to say was, interestingly, just recently, like in the last couple of years, they found a. Um, how do you, how do you, I'm not I'm sure I'm pronouncing it right because I had never heard the term before, but. Uh, like a, a, a wassuary or whatever, it's just a like a coffin type thing that they would use. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it was a coffin that they would put remains in. We would say coffin, and it had an and it was from you know this era. I mean, because they they can date them, and and you know they know by the the levels they're at when they're doing the archaeology, um, what roughly what years they're they're dealing with, and they found uh, this box. <clears throat> and it had an, an inscription on it that said James um son of Joseph and i know it said that much i'm thinking it said more but i'm not going to cuz i don't know for sure but it at, at least said James son of Joseph and and you know Jesus had a brother named James well there's there you know there's no way to know for sure that it's the same James but it's just interesting and it was from that that period so it may have been Lord's brother's coffin that they just unearthed recently um it, it, you know it, it, it i mean it sure sounded like it but but uh, they have found a, a lot of stuff not only from that period but much much further back um they also pretty relatively recently they they uh they found a uh plaque type thing that mentioned david and and i re- i didn't realize that was the other than what we have in the Bible, they they never had any record of David outside of the Bible, and and they you know they found a inscription pretty recently uh, mentioning David that was interesting too. <coughs> Amen. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the, the Sanhedrin, by the way, that's the Supreme Court for the Jews. The council who condemned Jesus. Okay. Anybody else? Any other comments? Let me just point out one last thing here, and that is uh because again this is a major, major theme in John. Um that's verse thirty five. He who saw it has borne witness. Who's, who's John talking about there? Himself. <laughs> he's, saying, he's saying the same thing in, John, in 1 John 1. What, what does he say? That which we heard from the beginning, you know, we declare unto you that which we have seen, which we have touched, which we've handled with our hands. John's saying, look, I, I was there. I saw it. I'm telling you what I know to be true. And that's what he's saying here too. He's saying, I'm an eyewitness. This, this was penned by, by an eyewitness. Um, again, verse 35. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. That you also may believe. Now remember, that's the whole reason John pen this book, he tells us in, uh, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, so that you might believe. He wants his readers to believe. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, I'm giving you my own eyewitness testimony. And I know these things are true, and I'm telling you so that you also may believe. Also, that, by the way, is also reminiscent of First uh, John 1 where he says he wants you also to join in the fellowship, which we have with the Father and with the Son. So John's got a passion. that I mean, it comes through. It bleeds through the print here. John's got a passion for people to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And that's what, you know, by God's um, Spirit, motivated him to pen this gospel and... Uh, passion that we, we ought to, to share, right? Tell our, give the testimony, not only our testimony, but theirs as well, because they were eyewitnesses. So, so we can go out and we can talk about what the Lord has done in our lives, but then we've got to back all that up, just like, and John does that too, by the way. He says, it's, it's not testimony, it's not his personal testimony alone. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. So John's saying, look, here's my own eyewitness, personal testimony, but all it is 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 that which the Scripture has foretold. And I was privileged to see it play out. And so we do that same thing. Essentially, we go out and we give our... You know... we're not apostles, but we go out and we give our testimony. This is what Jesus has done for us. And we back it up with Scripture. Scripture. Here's what the Scripture says about Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. Here's who Jesus is. You know, we, Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. And that's what John is doing. And we, and we do that so that others may come to faith in Christ. Why would we have any confidence that that might be the result? Because we're told to do it that's a good part of the that's part of the motivation in doing it of course another part is um I, you know I, 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 I wrote a guy just just recently It was a guy uh, um posted a blog and uh let's see how can I say this without going into a great deal of detail um I I've, I've got the response uh, a a response on my blog but if you uh if you read it, get a comfortable chair and, and uh, some coffee or tea or something because it's going to take you a little while. <laughs> but uh, and this guy was trying to refute the, the, the Calvinist or Reformed position and without going into a big explanation about that, um, it just, you know, that God is absolutely sovereign, that God controls all things. Anyway, he said that those of us who hold to that view, which I just call the biblical view, the scripture, scriptural view, but he said that those of us who hold to that view oh, evangelize, what he was saying and I think implying strongly was we just evangelize because we're told to. Now, he did admit, you know, every Christian ought to do it because they're <laughs> told to, but he was basically saying that's the only reason we do it because he said we're not rescuing anybody from hell. And if you want to see, you know, again, my, my response to that you you know, read it, but essentially I told him, oh, yes, we are. And I gave him scripture you know, that uses that kind of language. And so, yes, we're, we evangelize because we're told to, but we also evangelize because we do believe we're rescuing people from hell. And another major part of it, and this is part of what I said also, is because we want to live out the golden rule. You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, this is just basic 101 Christianity, right? If, if you're saved, if you know the Lord, and you enjoy being saved and knowing the Lord then why wouldn't you want somebody else to join in that experience? John Piper says missions exist because worship doesn't. That is key to missions. In other words, you're wanting other people to join in the worship. You want them to know Him, to know His love, His mercy, His grace, and, and to love Him. So, um, yes, we do it. Because um, we're told to, but also because hopefully, because we we love people, and we don't want to see them perish. Um, what was my question now uh, <laughs> i I got it sidetracked. There. Yeah, why should we have any confidence that that it would be done, right? Um, the answer is because this this is the way that God saves sinners. Romans ten, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. People get saved through the proclamation of the word. It's it's the word, it's the ministry of the word, by the power of the Spirit that saves. So why should we have any why should John have any confidence that anybody's going to read his testimony and be saved? Why should I or you have any confidence that anybody's going to hear what we have to say about jesus and and repent and come to Christ in faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God <laughs> amen, very good, yeah <laughs> he's still at work. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, Jesus prayed in his prayer. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm praying also for those who, who will uh, come to believe through their word. That is through the word of the apostles. So, so all that was still future. Some of it's still future even now. Uh, so yeah, Wendy's right. It's, it's scripture still being fulfilled. Uh, so these things are still happening so that the scripture might be fulfilled and so that what Jesus said would, saying the scripture, but so that what Jesus said might be fulfilled. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And Lord, we do thank You for the Gospel. We thank You for what Jesus did at Calvary that we've been considering here today. And I know, Lord, we haven't come close to doing this topic justice, to doing these passages justice. So, Lord, we, we, we look to You and ask for understanding, Lord, that it may uh, increase our gratefulness, our thankfulness to you, that it may increase our, our compassion for those who are still perishing and, and move us to have the same kind of desire that, that John expresses here, um, to, to testify, that we might testify with the hope that others would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, trusting in your sovereign, your sovereign Um, power that they will. They will. Some will come. Some will be saved because you're still bringing people into your kingdom. Lord, through it all, again, may you be honored and glorified. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.